And now another edition of Traveling with Paul Lasley and Elizabeth Harriman. Every edition of Traveling with Paul Lasley and Elizabeth Harriman airs weekdays on the American Forces Network in countries around the world. Each show is also available as a podcast at ontravel.com and at iTunes. Just use the keyword on travel. Here's Paul and Elizabeth. A journey to the Middle Kingdom today on travel and a trip to the birthplace of golf. That's all coming up today. I'm Elizabeth Harriman. And I'm Paul Lasley. And this show is dedicated to the concept that someday we will travel again. But uh, Max Hartshorn is chronicling all these great places that we can travel to uh, at GoNomad. Dot com And Max joins us once again with some great photographs and a great website, gonomad.com. Good Max Hartzer, welcome back to folks. Traveling. Hey, and I, I, uh, yes, you know, I'm looking back at these stories and remembering that it wasn't that long ago. It was only nine months ago that we were traveling, and we will travel again, Paul. You're darn right. But 2019 stood out for me as the first time I'd ever been to China, and I went to the Hunan province, which is the birthplace of Chairman Mao and has quite a significance to the people in China. Of course, that was the great dictator from decades who reshaped China. But uh, a lot of people have been to China. It's a big popular tourist attraction for sure. But I believe this Hunan province really has some special things that we're going to talk about in the next few minutes. Well, I think that, yeah, go go ahead, Paul. Yeah, I want to say that my introduction to the Hunan province occurred in the 70s when I was very young and could barely afford Celia Chang's uh, Mandarin restaurant in San Francisco, where she served Hunan noodles, Chairman Mao's favorite dish. Wow. Now, that's all I know, but I've never been to Hunan. So, Max, you're one up on us. Well, it was a wonderful trip. It was in October. It was a kind of a chilly time of the year. And um, there's a photograph that I start the article out, which I really think best illustrates the stunning vistas and things you can see in Hunan. Um, there's a place in Hunan called Zhangjiji. And Zhangjiji is basically a series of large, tall, tall mountains where the Chinese have built walkways and glass walkways and passageways and things that just blow your mind way up in the north part of Hunan. And so that's one of the things that really was spectacular, being able to walk out on these glass walkways and look down 4,000, 5,000 feet to just the empty, emptiness of the Hunan province. Really spectacular. Yeah, I'm looking at this photograph now and it's like, yeah, well, you know, if you've seen Chinese paintings, you, you, you know those kind of rocky tours, those amazing uh, uh, rocky mountains that you, that you see in the Chinese paintings. Well, it looks like they've, they've like built a bridge between them or this amazing structure. So you walk out on that structure and then you look down into the abyss. Is that right? You really do. You look down into the abyss and you also look down at the seven kilometer cable car that takes people all the way up 7,000 meters or something like 7,000 feet, a very, very high mountain. And it's interesting though. So you walk all around the top of the mountain and Mm. then when it's time to go down, you have two choices. And at the bottom of our article, there's a photo gallery which shows some of these. But basically, you have this magnificent stairway with thousands and thousands of stairs going down. Or you go inside to an escalator, which is the longest escalator I've ever seen. And there's 12 of them going down, 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 20,000 feet. Yeah, pretty spectacular. Oh, yes. And and one of your photographs shows that 
in one of these, you're actually walking on glass. So you're seeing underneath your feet what you're looking down on, right? Yeah, that's a real popular thing in China, these glass walkways. They've actually, they have several thousand of these glass walkways all over China. It's become a real popular thing now is to take advantage. I mean, China's sort of got this interesting way of dealing with natural beauty. In America, you know, we try to preserve Yellowstone. We try to preserve Yosemite and don't touch anything. In China, they build elevators on the sides of mountains so you can go up and down them. And giant walkways and crazy glass things and just blow your mind spectacular. But they, they just assault nature with man-made structures. It's absolutely stunning. Yeah, the, the combination is. And I, I encourage people to log on to gonomad.com and uh, uh, look up Max's article about Hunan province. It's just fascinating. Well, Max, you mentioned it. Uh, one of the villages there, one of the towns, cities, is the birthplace of Chairman Mao. So, yes, um, that is Changsha. Actually, when we talk about a town, it's funny. Changsha is a city of almost 8 million. But uh-huh. Changsha is the, is the capital of Hunan. And indeed, that is where Chairman Mao was born. And in the river, in the middle of in Changsha, in the river, there are several really dramatic things. One of them is called Orange Island. And it's named because they planted thousands of orange trees in honor of Mao. But they got the statue of Mao, this head of Mao. It looks like one of Mount Rushmore, like as if there was only one person on Mount Rushmore. Oh my. In the middle of the Orange Island, it's the young Mao, the 20 year old Mao, who's surrounded by his revered, you know, the citizens on there. The other thing about Changsha is interesting is, uh, it's a classical music haven. People love classical music. All over China, they love classical music. And I was so impressed with, for instance, we went to a concert hall, an incredible concert hall, beautiful, huge place. And little children were just quiet as mice listening to this boring symphony. Now, to me, the symphony is fascinating, but for little kids, it's kind of boring. But yeah. no way these kids were going to move a peep. And they were just, you know, the 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 old mystery, of the, the myth of the Asian tiger mom was in play there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think China is producing more classical musicians today than probably any other country. It's just amazing. And uh, evidently, classical music is incredibly popular in China. And respected and all the like that we we saw the Bamberg Orchestra from Germany. Imagine an orchestra traveling that far. They've been there about four times. So they love the Bamberg Symphony. They bring the whole symphony with them to Hunan. And it's it's marvelous. Now, a couple of the other highlights of Hunan I want to talk about is that Hunan Museum. Again, in China, one of the things about China, which I think was most impressive in 2020, is that everything is so damn big. It's yeah. just unbelievable. Everything is scaled to be the biggest thing you ever saw. Like this museum, you know, the atrium itself is a photograph of just this atrium. So huge. And oh, what they yeah. found in Hunan was they found a 2,000-year-old tomb. A farmer was digging around and found this tomb. They started digging down. And this Hunan Museum basically is all about this one woman who was a ruler in one of the ancient dynasties who was buried 2,000 years ago in a tomb. And they uncovered the tomb and they uncovered her body and they found, looked at her stomach and found out what she ate. And the whole museum is dedicated to this. And you go round and round and round until you get to the very bottom. And then you see the amazing tomb as if it has been underneath the entire museum. Quite an interesting thing. Wow. So, so, so you see her mummy. You, you, well, yeah, you can see your mummy, but you're not allowed to take a picture of it. Hence my lack of image to show you that I was there. Yeah. You see the tomb, but not the mummy. Uh, you, you do see the mummy, but you're not allowed to take a picture of the mummy. Gotcha. Gotcha. Wow. That just sounds fascinating. 
Well, you know, uh, I think something else that's fascinating, and you touched upon it, Max, the size of everything. And it was finally explained to me. I was in a railroad station in um, Wenzhou, China, I believe. It was huge. And, uh, uh, and actually, <laughs> I was taken into a VIP waiting room, which was equally as huge. Mm. And uh, it was just amazing. But someone said, and I said, you know, this place is enormous. And he says, it's to accommodate the people. And then you start thinking about why the airports are so huge, the museums are so huge. There are just a lot of people there. And you need these big buildings to accommodate the people that will come come to the museum. Yeah, I mean, or- even little, little de- de- I'll give you some examples. Like, for instance, we, we did this road trip and we drove from Changsha. We drove about 90 minutes and we were still in Changsha. <laughs> Even though we were ninety mm. minutes away, um, yeah. we got to this place. Like on the road, like the 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 uh, plaza, you know, like the like the highway plaza is so big, and then the restaurants are the size of Kmart. You know, you go in, there's just restaurants. So you can't believe it; it's so big. But um, one of the things I my first part of the trip was in another part of China called uh, Hainan Island, and that was kind of a resort island. And there was seventy five stories. Uh, skyscrapers everywhere you look they were building these new ones and they said there was a vacation homes those weren't even going to be lived in except for vacation so the chinese wealth is pretty stunning and what's happening with china and the way they can make money there um by turning over real estate and so forth so it's an interesting country it's certainly communist but it's certainly pretty capitalist too exactly that i I, i'm interesting you said that because that was our impression too the last time we were in china which was just a few years ago is that um Yes, it's it has it's a it's a uh, certainly a dictatorship and a harsh dictatorship and of course um, with this uh, Xi Jinping dictator for life, so nothing good about that. But right, but and they say they're communist, but <laughs> but in terms of the economy. Um, they are more capitalist than we are. They well, are. You know, speaking of the economy, um, I want to say there's one thing that they've been able to do there, which, you know, you can, you can kind of only do this in a totalitarian government. But yeah. one of the things that I noticed was that all the scooters didn't make any noise. You know, huge crowds of scooters, not one noise. It's because they're all battery powered. Because they changed the taxes so that if you have a battery powered scooter, it's way cheaper and gas mm-hmm. scooters are way more expensive. So like oh everybody, everybody in China just picks up their battery, brings it upstairs to their apartment and charges it. So you get this crowd of motorcycles completely silent and no pollution. Fantastic. Well, that's fascinating because I wanted to ask you, I noticed that in your story and I wanted to ask you about that because as I say, we were in China just, uh, just about, about three or four years ago now and the pollution was just ubiquitous. So, but now with all of these electric vehicles and electric even scooters, you 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 felt that the pollution was less. Well, it really was. Now, the thing is that the, I've heard that in China, the biggest pollution is in the north, is the mm. industrial north, like where they have the the coal mines and stuff. So you still have terrible levels of pollution in Beijing and in the north. But where I was in Hunan, the air was really good. And in, in Hainan Island, which is far south, it's really good. It's just as good as in the U.S. But I think that these electric vehicles, you see them all over the place. Mm. You see electric uh Motorcycles, you see a lot of little electric transports. They're really jumping on board this faster than we are, and I really admire that. They've also really done a lot with recycling. The level of litter is way down. Uh, it's much cleaner than I thought, and i got to say, I was really impressed with how well China is managing in 2020 and how progressive the architecture is. Like, for instance, uh, there's this building. It's called the Meiji Shu 
International Arts and Cultural Center. It looks like something that you'd see like, I don't know, in Disneyland or something. <laughs> it's designed by a Spanish wow. architecture firm. You see the picture. It's pretty stunning. But that's oh, kind yeah. of it's, it's, China all over the place. You have a wonderful photograph of it from above. And it, it yeah, it looks like something that... Uh, I don't know. It looks. It, it's very organic. Lots of circles and curves, and it, it's quite beautiful. Um, you, you mentioned the food, and uh, Paul mentioned the Mao's favorite dish were the noodles. I I understand you have a fondness for noodles at breakfast time. Una oh, I love it. That was my highlight. You know, I tell you, the food in China. I'd have to say, you know, and I went kind of like Paul when he was he was in this VIP train thing. I was kind of on a VIP list of government, you know, people that have taken over this. So so they took us to really the 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 five-star restaurants. The truth is that they are able to eat fish with bones in it. Like uh -huh. I can't do that, but they will <laughs> serve a big platter of fish covered with beautiful Hunan peppers. And you take a bite and my God, there's so many bones. You're about to, you just, your teeth are falling out. So I had a hard time with that. So the noodles really were much better. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I have a, I, I want to interject here. One of the best ways to visit China, and I will argue with anyone about this, is to take a tour, a good tour. Oh, yeah. And the reason being, just think about going into a major Chinese restaurant. There may be 100 tables of 10 or 12 in there, and you're alone or you have your spouse with you or whatever. It's not a good thing. You need 10 people sitting and eating with you in order to just sample the food. Exactly. And so many variations. You don't know what it is. You have to. And so I always recommend take a tour. Uh, just choose a good one. Yes. And you mentioned the breakfast buffets where you can have these uh, noodles with all kinds of veggies and different toppings. And oh, yeah, food is definitely one reason to visit China. Well, so, um, uh, Max, before we go on to our next destination, which is also exciting, uh, what are some other highlights of Hunan province or that really impressed you? Well, there's a part of um, Hunan, which is in the north, which is a hot spring destination, an area where people go to take the waters, you know, just the way they do in Japan with the onsen. But they have a place, we went to a place um, called Zilan Wan Hot Spring Holiday Hotel. And it was all about places where you could go to various types of pools, various temperatures. And we enjoyed that quite a bit. But I think the highlight was really when we snuck away from the tour and we took taxis down to this little tiny village of Shoshan, about a couple of miles away from our palatial hotel. Mm -hmm. And we just hung out with the locals. We hung out. We had squid and tofu and sat around, drink beer out of bottles and hung out with our guide and really told us a little bit about what his China was all about. You know, it's such a fascinating place because people are making great fortunes and people are losing great fortunes. But they're really, you know, the Chinese people are not standing still. They're not waiting for anybody to figure out things like, for instance, They've got the payment system down, boy. They just wave their phones and they buy all the things they need from anywhere. No, no money. Nobody needs money in China. They just use their phones. I love that. And the until the end of the month. But I really appreciated the the way that they can make that work, Paul. You know, with a billion people, they can make that country work. It's really yeah. impressive. But I tell you the language in Hunan, people do not speak English very much in Hunan. You have a hard time if you're not in a tour, Paul. You are so right about that. I can't imagine doing it without a guide. Yeah. Well, you do. And you know the interesting thing too is if you're from uh southern China, you can't understand people in northern China. Although in northern China, the Mandarin language is certainly 
uh, gaining prominence because it's getting a lot more attention and things like that. Uh, it's still, uh, it's just amazing. I, I was, when we were traveling there once, I asked our guide what was going on. She said, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we are talking is a whole different language than Mandarin. Yeah. Well, that, we are talking right. with Max Hartshorn of GoNomad.com, and you are traveling on the American Forces Network and at OnTravel.com. I'm Elizabeth Harriman here with Paul Lastly, and Max is taking us through the Middle Kingdom, China. Well, now, we should, we should, since we're about halfway through here, we probably should fly to the other side of the world. And, okay. And because, well, if I say St. Andrews, what comes to mind? Four. St. <laughs> <laughs> Andrews in Scotland, the home of golf. And you have another story on Go Nomad written by a very interesting writer named Cliff McCain, um, who is British, I believe. Um, and he wrote about what you can do in St. Andrews. I mean, St. Andrews is the home of golf, this legendary golf course. But he wrote about all the other things you can do in St. Andrews as well. Tell us a little bit about that story. Yeah, you know, it's true. I, 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 I'm a little duffer once in a while. I try to hit the ball a little bit. And I know that there's <laughs> – I love the idea of St. Andrews as a place to golf. Just the way I love the idea of going to a basketball game in the Dean Dome in North Carolina or watching the Montreal Canadiens in the old uh, Montreal's old stadium. But, you know – St. Andrews is known for that. And so this writer kind of was just like basically looking at everything besides golf. I think that the golf thing is, uh, as you mentioned, Paul, that you really have to be connected. And I think there's a long wait and it's a huge time. Um, but since I've been much more fascinated with Scotland of recent years because it's a place that's not that far away. You know, it's an easy flight. And, you know, we are going to be able to fly there. And we Eventually, will fly there. Yeah. Don't forget it. You know, it's not off the list. Maybe late in 2021, we'll go back to Scotland. But what a place. You know, the, the if you like scotch and you like hospitality and friendly and wonderful ruins, St. Andrews looks like a great choice. And again, a 12, built in the year 1200, um, you know, it's a college town. You can do maybe, maybe if your husband golfs, you can take a look and do it. And everything else there is to check out, like or, or your or your yes, or your wife, <laughs> your partner, whoever might be a non-golfer, if they decide. <laughs> they want to see, yeah. Well, you know, uh, golf has been sort of the top story about St. Andrews for years, and I want to share just one, well, two brief things about golf. One, we interviewed a um, local member of St. Andrews, and there are people who live there uh, who become members. And basically, they have golfing privileges because they're local. And um, he, he told us that most uh, – he, he owns a country house near there. And uh, he said, you know, I'll take guests uh, over sometimes. He says, I took a very good golfer from South Africa that I know, and he made seven tries off the tee because, <laughs> because at St. Andrews, there are usually several – hundred people or dozen people watching you take off because it's a tourist attraction. And, and so your tea uh, is uh, not a simple matter and it's public. And so a lot of people can't quite adjust themselves to this. I'm the other thing golfing. It's a darn hard sport. I've always advocated that yeah. they ought to make the they ought to make the holes at a foot wide so you could at least get it in the hand. <laughs> well this gentleman told us that the highlight of his life and the way he said it, it truly was, uh, was he, um, uh, he said two things. He said, 
my wife gave birth to a beautiful daughter recently, and that's just wonderful. But I made a hole in one at Carnoustie. And I said, well, the obvious question, which was perhaps more exciting? And he said, well, I, that hole in one remains. It's <laughs> pretty said, damn good. Pretty darn good. good. Well, now, the, so and the, that's the, the bowl of golf at Scotland. <laughs> and the gentleman that wrote this article is a Cliff McCain. I correct myself, he's not British, but he just wrote so knowingly about he's actually American. Uh, is that right? Um, yeah, he's from he's from the United States. He's one of our newest writers. Yeah, and I love the way these writers pop into our, our our transom. They just pop in, and this guy just showed me this. And I I think he makes he makes a good case. Let's talk a little bit about more about St Andrews. Sure, St Andrews has almost ten thousand beds. They can actually sleep ten thousand people. If so, if people want to have a conference, they can mm. have it in St Andrews, and then they'd have plenty of hotel rooms to fit everybody. It's really remarkable, and uh, Scotland in, in general I find to be ultimately fascinating. You know, there's a bagpipe school in Glasgow. And you there's can, Haggis. There's Haggis, of course. <laughs> I know he said there's wonderful places to eat in St. Andrews, and I guess a, um, there's a, a, a big uh, – what is the ruin that's there? Is a, a big I, – I, yeah, know, it's an ancient yeah. abbey, I believe, that you can tour this ancient abbey. And But I think you're right. You know, I think it was originally Paul said, I think a lot of the tourism has to do with being able to just walk around the galleries or outside of these golf courses and once in a while see some spectacular golf. But I think also hiking is a big thing in St. Andrews and also in around Scotland. I mean, I've, I've just, I was impressed, you know, even Bear Gryllis, you know, that guy who does those wilderness tours. He oh, yes. Survival Academy, and he has it in the woods of the, the wilds of Scotland. He spits people out there with maybe a knife and a, and, and a, and a long sleeve shirt. That's about all they get. And they have to forage their way in Scotland. Well, and the, uh, the countryside of Scotland is just so amazingly beautiful. I mean, it, they talk about the heather on the hills, but it is, it is just so gorgeous. And, and uh, the Scots are an incredibly industrious and far-sighted people because back in the day when England was having their troubles with France, like war, uh, the Scots created what's called a special relationship. Mm -hmm. And so all the time that England couldn't enjoy all that cheese and wine and everything else, it was freely available and abundant in Scotland because <laughs> the Scots understand how to live. <laughs> they and, you know, it's also remarkable how many Scottish immigrants there are in the United States. I heard one time that it's like, I think the number one or number two ethnicity of people in the United States from another country, they're from Scotland. It's the one of the biggest um, of all of the um, ethnicities. Well, and, and one other great adventure is Max Hartzorn, and it's always a delight to have you on our show, Max. Thanking, thank you for taking us to Hunan Province in China today, and to St. Andrews in Scotland. And you can- well, I'll sign off by saying thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to be with you guys on this historic day, election day. Everybody go out and vote, and let's travel next year. Let's travel this year. <laughs> Amen. And thank you for being with us. I'm Owen at gonomad.com is Max's website. He's the editor there. I'm Elizabeth Harriman. I'm Paul Leslie. Stay safe. Join Paul and Elizabeth at any time since each episode of Traveling is available as a podcast on iTunes, keyword on travel, and at ontravel.com. You can join the global community on Twitter and Facebook at ontravelmedia 
and you can email at traveling at ontravel.com. Your suggestions for show topics and comments are always welcome. Join us next time on the American Forces Network and at ontravel.com. I'm Fred Sager.